Welcome back to Real Voices of the Game. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I'm joined by our host and star of this show, Sal Marinello. And this is the Hot Corner with Coach Sal, episode 361 on our network. <clears throat> Almost 60,000 subscribers now. We should be closed in on that by the end of the week. We appreciate your support. Make sure you give Sal five stars wherever you listen to it. Write some nice comments because we do battle the analytics of the podcast world just like they do in Major League Baseball. And to our first affiliate friend here in the marketing world, Blackout Coffee, Be Awake, Not Woke. Uh, appreciate your friendship. It's been about a month now. We're closing on that one-month anniversary here. And uh, we're going to expand that partnership uh, in the month of December, so to reward our podcast hosts here like Sal. But thanks so much. At checkout, David, all capital letters with the number 20 after it. Get you 20% in your first purchase. You can buy as much as you want. It's a great time for stocking stuffers. And then uh, after that, you'll get 15% in perpetuity. And that's, uh, we love our friends that give us discounts that love coffee and, and love uh, baseball. So with that, Sal, welcome back to your show. Uh, great to be here and uh, early in the week, but after kind of having a week off, it's good to get back at it. Yeah. Before we get going, just want to plug a book here. Um, your friend and my friend, Ted Kubiak, if you guys are looking for a stocking stuffer for your, your, your young baseball players out there or softball, uh, Ted's got two great books, Old School which is the evolution of America's pastime. It's, you know, what happened to the game I love. Ted wrote a great book there, Forward by Tony LaRussa. He's got a great fielding manual, and he and I communicate every single day almost uh, how to field a ground ball. Sounds simple in nature, but it's, it's a Ted dives into it deeper than anybody I've seen before. He is coming out with a children's book, hopefully out by the, by the Christmas holiday. So I encourage you to go to his website. I'll put it in the show notes. And if you're looking for a good stocking stuff or books for the kids, that's those are two great books for your kids. So. Um, with that, Sal, what, what do you got in, on the store today? I know with two weeks off, um, or the week off anyway, not two weeks, um, a lot of stuff going on out there. I know you've been DMing me, texting me, forwarding me stuff on Instagram. Uh, well, what's, what's you know, we, in your mind? we, we, um, this is probably a little late because we didn't do something last week, but there was a great post on Instagram and it was presented in a manner to be, a positive for the tofu made turkey. And it was a great example of unintentional, I guess maybe humor even, but unintentionally pointing out just how disgusting the concept of tofu is, brings to the front of the argument, the visual evidence that it's not food no matter what form you put it in. And they actually show you what they do to process it. Again, I wish we had a visual medium here, but it's just disgusting. It's in a vat. It's the, it's think about the most industrialized, an industrialized process produced food you can imagine. And that's what tofu is. Uh, and the, these soy products, Dave, soy was originally used for industrial solvents, not edible purposes and it's been turned into this supposed alleged healthy alternative. We talked about on the roundtable show the word of the year was authentic and we kind of came to the conclusion 
that by calling or by 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 claiming the word of the year is authentic, we're being gaslit once again because we're in a most inauthentic time. And here's a great example of garbage being presented as gospel. Maybe that's a good one. Uh, garbage as gospel and that this tofu somehow is going to be better for you than turkey. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching. I turned it on now. I watched it when you sent it. Uh, and yeah, it's, I don't know if it was meant as a parody or not, but it comes off as kind of a, a joke in a way. But I don't think it was. I don't think it was intended that way. I think it was supposed to be like an info commercial and a support for for uh, tofu well one of the great i don't know if it's ironies or situations that have arisen here this year again the the and the hat they're putting the pedal to the metal here with pushing this anti-meat agenda and we're going to get into it a little more but a, a great post was well you know turkeys have the alternative to turkey have be the vegetarian save the turkeys well Turkeys are not vegetarian. Chickens are not vegetarian. They eat other animals. They'll eat, turkeys will basically eat anything. They eat bugs, they eat grubs, they eat worms, they eat uh, beef, they'll eat anything. They eat scraps of other foods. There was actually a great video of a, of a free range chicken farmer and how when you see, uh, I, I want to step back. You'll see advertised vegetarian feed, vegetarian fed chickens. First of all, that's all BS. What that means, Dave, is that they're caged. They're not free range. Because if they're free range, left to their own devices, chickens are going to eat off of the land. They'll eat whatever. They'll eat bugs. They eat grubs. They had a photo, uh, a video of this free range farmer dumping out this bucket of animal organ meat that the chickens were going after. So the concept that somehow these animals can be forced fed vegetarian is actually what has to be done. They have to be force fed. So ironically, once again, what this movement is portraying as being kinder and vegan is actually torturous and is mistreating these chickens by keeping them in cages, restricting them only to eating this, what they're calling vegan feed, which even if you look into it is bullshit. So we have again, inauthentic and we're being gaslit and it's getting, it, Dave, it's getting worse every day. Yeah. Did you see that one post? There was a, I don't know, it was about half dozen, eight knuckleheads. <laughs> they were trying to stop, uh, I guess, a place where they, 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 they either turkeys or chickens and they were, they were, they were vegan, vegetarian, whatever it was. They were opposed to eating, eating chickens, and they locked their necks. Yes, in a rotational yep. device. Like oh, as soon as I saw that, like I didn't even read the caption. I don't even know how I looked at it. And then I think you sent me a copy of it as well. So we must be getting the same feeds and stuff. Or look, we we obviously share similar um, what we what we look at. But um, yeah, I was I, I was like, there's no way they're going to put their necks in that. And uh, and the idiots did. They put their necks in. The one kid almost died. It was great. It, and, and for people who haven't seen the video, think of the old dry cleaner rack that moves through to get to your your clothing item. And they use this in some way to feed the chickens or process the chickens at this chicken farm. And these idiots went in there and zip tied or used some other kind of me um, device mechanism to tie themselves to this thing. 
And as it turned off, it was tightening on their necks. It, it was great. It was beautiful. It was classic. Oh, I, I, I couldn't even like you, you try to, I try to be empathetic and not sympathetic, but try to like, what on earth were they thinking doing that? And it's just, it's really fools with a cause. They, they have no idea what they're for and they just looking to be sensational and they, they're, they're drone like they'll follow, as you said, they're, they're looking at all this inauthentic material out there. And I, I looked at the age of those, those are kids. Those are teenagers. It looked like, right? Well, yeah, because again, they're being force fed this information. They have no backing to it. We're, we're in a, we're in a position, you know, there was the old phrase applied to political candidates. Their support is an inch thick and a mile wide or a mile wide, a mile, I'm sorry, a mile long and an inch thick, basically meaning it was surface support. And, and that's what these, these people are, whether it's your environmentalists, whether I'm talking about climate change, whether it's the vegan, vegetarian terrorists that are doing these things to disrupt production. It's all based on phony science. There is no real science that backs this up. And again, in, in a time we're being told things are being authentic, it's the opposite of it. So it, it's you have to keep all this in mind. It's it's a concerted effort to actually it's control. We talked about what this lab grown protein, whether it's a, a fake chicken or beef, is nothing other than an attempt to take control of the food supply by big tech. And it's you know, whatever you want to say is the reason, whether it's a flat out money grab, whether it's control and power, it's probably a combination of those things. That's what this is. So we're, we're seeing it. It's been in the narrative from the fringes for years. And now it's coming out in the open. It's as if they're that, that we're being told what this plan is. And right on cue, I sent this to you. I believe I sent I didn't send it this morning, but. Uh, I, or maybe I sent it in a uh, in, in our in our text and not in our regular stream. But they are now. Yes, it was in our text stream. The United Nations is going to call on Americans to reduce meat consumption because of climate change. So we're we're seeing this control being initiated, Dave, and they're going to start to use these quote fake emergencies to control both the food supply and the water supply. The next thing that's coming down is uh the water supply control so just be aware yeah i've got my uh i've got two two different kinds of pumps i bought just in case there's messing around with that stuff but yeah you sent it you sent it in multiple spots there's this whole the next push to stop eating meat i mean there was a guy uh matthew lau i think you sent is a biochemist said that if people stop eating meat we'll save the planet i mean just as simple as that 10 words um it's, it's crazy, but I guess that's, that's more promotion for this human engineering meat. And it's agenda over health. There's no, you know, we're, we're, again, we're at the point where people of science are willing to deny the science in many fields and come out with proclamations like that. We, we, you can't take that big of a piece of the ecosystem out of it and expect that we're going to have a healthy ecosystem. You're just not going to, it's not going to happen. And there's been a lot written about it. There's courses, uh, the whole agricultural sciences 
course study is based on a healthy ecosystem where you use the land. This concept that you can't cut down trees, you can't farm the land, you can't eat animals, you can't eat meat is just the exact opposite of what society has and civilization has done for thousands of years. And you can cherry pick data to make your point. Are there some regions of the world where the tree growth is less than it should be? Yes. But in the bad, evil, industrialized place like the United States, we have more new tree growth than we've had ever in our history. And that's with using it because we have a plan. There's a plan to use it and to sustain it. Again, think about the ridiculous concept behind the position of those who want to remove the meat from the food chain and want to tell you you can't farm the land or cut trees down. So they will have you believe that the people that do that want to do it to the point where there's nothing left so that they put themselves out of business. It's just so illogical and anti-intellectual that it's it's amazing to believe that people buy into it, but yet here we are. Yeah. And of course, people understand if chickens are eating, eating properly and we're eating chickens, then that indirectly, indirectly affects us. There, I mean, if you were to describe a chicken, <laughs> again, we were talking about chicken, but it's, uh, they're, they're opportunistic omnivores. They'll, I mean, they'll eat, I mean, if you ever, you could turn on any, any of those uh, websites, I think Eat Wild is the one that we've looked at recently. Uh, you'll see them dumping meat on the ground. Those chickens swarm that stuff yeah. like crazy. Um, and so, but they will eat, you know, the, the, the grass plants. Cause if they're out there roaming, that that's perfectly fine for them to do, but they do not exclusively eat that just so people know. And that's not, that's not the kind of chicken you want. And, and you don't want this fake lab grown stuff. It's, it's amazing to me. You're going to have, we talked about it, highly processed using industrial processes and solvents to make a food edible. The, the beyond the beyond meat or beyond beef, beyond burger, whatever that garbage was called, was is so highly processed. So many chemicals come in touch with that, come in contact. And then again, they're pushing the same people, the same thought process that drives this anti-meat, fake meat, beyond beef are the ones telling you, well, you know, you shouldn't drink water out of a plastic bottle because of the forever plastics are in touch with the water. It's just so wildly inconsistent and no one ever calls out these people on their bullshit. It's, it's amazing. You know, there's a great, there's a great video, Dave, that it has nothing to do with this particular uh, subject, but Elon Musk did an interview with a BBC reporter about six months ago. And the BBC reporter opens with this line that basically says, what do you say to the rise in hate and anti-Semitism and white supremacist and all of these? What do you say to the rise of that on your platform since you've t- taken it over? And Musk basically said, well, can you provide me an example of this? And the reporter went in this circuitous discussion and argument without coming up with any proof and basically said, well, you know, I don't really use the platform. And Musk kept after him and said, well, you don't use it. So how do you know 
that this is the case. And the reporter said, well, people are saying this. And he said, okay, I'm not asking you for sources, but I'm asking you provide this content. Well, at the end of the day, the guy couldn't and looked like a fool. And that's the same thing that happens here. It was like Bob Kerry's, I'm sorry, John Kerry's testimony in front of the Congress where he was claiming that the CO2 levels were so high we were in danger when they were a hundred thousand times higher before humans were on the earth and basically disproved his whole point. But no one ever keeps the pedal to the metal and makes these people answer for themselves. When you do that, they cannot. Yeah. It's one of my favorite lines with people. They everyone's got these ten word blurbs now and you know the the way our world is now, that's what we live on. And I, my, my quote to them is always, give me the next 10 words and I'll go away. Um, but they, they don't have that because that's the next 10 is the, 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 how, the, what, the why. And they've just, they've just learned how to be sensational, I guess, with their dramatic would be a better word for it with their presentation, both words, hands, the volume of their voice to just get people to react. And, it's uh, it's it's comical. I mean, you you've we've talked about that with um. I know you sent me some articles on this too, and we've talked about it before. But uh, they they did that with with something simple like butter, right? Cholesterol, saturated fats. Um, they got us on that stuff back and well before I wasn't born yet, and you weren't either. I don't believe, but well, no, I was born. That all started, you know, that all started in the seventies. Well, actually, it started in the fifties. Yeah, the fifties. That's a it started in the 50s, but it wasn't really until the 70s that they started to enact this. And you could go back and look at the the drop off and, and how our health has gotten worse and our obesity has impl- exploded since that point in time. We've talked about him. His name was Ansel Keys. He was the guy who was the he was Anthony Fauci before Anthony Fauci was in uh, hiding information that didn't support his hypotheses and actually burying, not only burying the data, but burying the professionals who had the proof that countered his argument and actually not only countered his argument, they made his argument incorrect. They showed that it was, we've known, they, they, we have known since the 50s that it was sugar that was the enemy and was causing and processed carbohydrates were causing this. So it's, it's the same continuation of this denial of the information at, at the expense of our health for the push for the benefit of their agenda. Yeah. And this, this was all one, I mean, this was American Heart Association pushing this, right? Well, it was the American Heart Association, but it was it, that was the you know Keys was involved with the first food pyramid, and yeah. you know, big food, whether whether it was I, I believe I think it was American fruit something. It's it, it's a crazy web, Dave. You go back and you read stuff about the CIA's early efforts to install governments. American fruit was behind a lot of that because in these countries where they, I believe the banana crop was the was the uh, moneymaker in the 50s. And uh, the country, I'm not I don't want to speak uh, off the top of my head. I don't remember the country, but it was one of the first oppor- uh, I'm sorry, the first instances where the CIA went in and was basically responsible for regime change because they were going to nationalize the crop and 
this American com company, again, American Fruit, was going to lose access. The CIA went in there and took over. So big food and, and big carbohydrate has been kind of pushing the buttons for over 50 years, really close to 70 years now. Yeah, the irony is dripping. Um, and at the end of the day, as you said, sugar is the enemy. It's not the butter, the cholesterol, as we've been made to believe. In fact, I think our last show we talked about people standing in lines, getting their cholesterol checked as a form of how healthy they are with that magic number. And I couldn't even tell you what mine is. And I don't even, I've never stood in line for one, but. Well, despite the fact that they know the, the, that the lower cholesterol numbers have higher all-cause mortality. So that, that shows you what, what that information. And, and the fact that that's, you know, you tell people that and they give you that glazed over look like they don't believe you when it's readily available. Even if Google tried to keep that information from showing up, it's very easy to find. It's just crazy. Yeah. Well, one of the things, and this is my selfish question of the show. I always have at least one, sometimes more than that. But I had sent you something on. I, I'm very uh, deliberate about what I put in my body. And because I am doing a lot of extra running uh, and training in that regard, I, I drink salt water um, for hydration. Now, I never, I've, I don't think I've ever felt dehydrated. I couldn't tell you what that feels like. But um, I agree with you that often as a college athlete, a professional athlete, and even beyond that, that I've operated in a dehydrated state um, often, uh, a lot. And and uh, I don't know if the salt water works. I've been told it does. I've been trying to drink it. been doing it more probably the last few months than ever before, more deliberate. But share, share the myth of dehydration with our audience. Because I, I laugh at these kids. Like my kids play soccer. And soccer practice is like, I don't know, 90 minutes to two hours. And these kids carry these jugs of water like they'd be abandoned in a desert. <laughs> for for months at a time and i'm like where the what the heck's going on here like they have the they, some of them have two and three they're carrying to a 90 minute to two hour soccer practice they do it for basketball same thing with baseball i don't ever remember carrying a water bottle to practice and i'm not i i think if somebody did that we would probably got made fun of and teased if we brought a water bottle to practice so there's so much to unpack there dave uh there's no such thing as 100 percent hydration all great athletes perform in a state of dehydration. So the concept that you're in some kind of danger because of dehydration is, again, anti-common sense, anti-science, anti-hundreds of years of visual, tangible, athletic, high performance that runs in the face of it. The, and again, I'm not a, a apologize for not being a marathon fan. But the, the Ken, I believe he was a Kenyan gentleman who just set the world record for the marathon, ran some horrendously, ridiculously good, horrendous in a, in, a, in a torturous way to what it must have been to go through that. He ran the marathon at, at, at some sub four something. It was like, I'm, I'm going to guess and say it was 424. Uh, maybe I'll look it up as we're talking here and see because I want to be accurate. But again... The guy's pace was at a point that they now have a challenge where they try to, they have this treadmill that they built that allows you to get on at the speed this gentleman ran the marathon. And it's a softer bed. So if you fall, because that's what happens when you try, you take a good athlete 
a, a, a you're not take, talking about a couch potato. They're taking conditioned people and putting them on this treadmill and having them try to run this marathon pace. And they actually ultimately fall because of the pace. Yeah. So this guy, I guarantee you, wasn't drinking much water during the, the marathon. And these top level marathoners know that they don't drink during the race because it slows them down. And we've talked about, again, this concept. It's, we're repeating it, but these things need to be repeated. There's this thing called the rate of gastric emptying. And it kind of is a fancy way of saying is how fast does stuff go from your stomach into your system? When you're in these high performance situations, that rate of gastric emptying slows to a crawl. So the amount of fluids that they are asking these people to drink, and in many cases, Dave, it's the young kid, it's the mid-range athlete that's rec a rec high school athlete. They're drinking all this water. It, it, it's not getting into their system because the body has prioritized other functions so that that, that fluid, that liquid is sitting in the stomach and sloshing about. And if you read the book Waterlogged by Dr. Tim Noakes, the book starts with the story of a woman, the, the typical mid-range athlete we're talking about, ran the Boston Marathon and died from overhydration. She actually drank so much water during the marathon, she didn't lose any weight during the marathon. So, and that and that is a common thing. And if you read Dr. Noakes' book, he gives you all the resources and all the specific instances of people who have died from overhydration, and there aren't any cases of people who have died from under from uh, from being hydrated, uh, dehydrated. So, and you have to break this down for me, like I'm a six year old. So, when she, that, that lady didn't lose any weight over the course of the marathon or however what she was running, that's because she drank too much. So much, yeah. They're drinking. You're drinking, and what happens is the you it, the it, your your system gets so saturated it it. Again, without getting too deep in the weeds, it screws up how your cellular, how you, how you work at the cellular level. And the problem is, Dave, the symptoms that present are similar to dehydration. So if you read the book, what they tell you is woman came into the tent, exhibited these symptoms, which are very similar to dehydration. So what do they do? They pump her with more fluids, which yeah. exacerbates the problems. You go into kidney failure and you die. And, and the cases of that are greater than that same level athlete dying from dehydration because there are no cases of people dying from dehydration. Yeah. I'd probably drink an eight ounce glass of salt water in the morning, like 30 minutes before I work out. And just because that's what I read and I, I saw. And I don't know if it's helped. That's hard to tell. I don't feel, you know. Well, but Dave, you're so, you are so good with what you eat that, and you're probably walking around at a high level of hydration in your normal state. And if you get a, if you have a balanced diet, you don't, I don't believe you need that pinch of salt. However, a pinch is not going to one way or the other make you or break you. If you're doing, if you're doing nothing right, drinking that salt water is not going to help. And if you're doing everything right, it's certainly not going to hurt, but it's negligible how much it's going to help because you're getting sodium in you should be getting sodium in during your diet during the day. Again, sodium is like cholesterol. We avoid people were told to avoid it. And when they look at the data, what happened as a result of that, they wound up 
people, again, had worse outcomes from avoiding salt than from eating salt. Well, to, to go to your dehydration point, I and this is only recently that I started taking a look at it, I would say the very first ultra I ran, this is probably five or six years ago, when somebody told me they drank salt water, my initial, my initial thought was that's going to dehydrate them because that's what I grew up hearing. Um, and whatever I was listening to, whatever schools I went to, that salt will dehydrate you, um, in that form. And it's not true at all. I, I, I apparently, I mean, all the top notch runners there were drinking it and, uh, you know, and I didn't touch it cause I didn't want to do anything different because it's, it's, you know, running a hundred miles is abnormal in itself. But, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel dehydrated one time. I, in fact, I had people trying to push stuff on me and God, when you're, when you're, active. That's, I, that's why I laugh at these kids bringing all this water. Like when I'm active, the last thing I want to do is put more stuff in my stomach. Yeah. Um, I can feel every bit of it. And, and maybe these kids aren't active enough at practices and whatnot, but oh my God, they, they, they so badly, I mean, they, they need and want drinks. And I don't know what their school is like. I don't know how they operate in their normal day, but to need drinks every 15, 20 minutes to me is it's laughable. Like I'm not sure what's happening to their bodies. And I'm guessing it's probably all the other bad stuff. Like you said, they're probably doing so much, they're eating so much bad stuff. Um, cause we'll, we'll laugh at Harper, our youngest daughter. She'll come home with a full water bottle. Like, did you drink water at practice? Like, yeah, when the other kids get water, Peyton and I, it's our older daughter. We do drill work and they're like, we're not thirsty. Um, all right, so we've, we've talked about this, but they've done research and they said the best gauge, the best way to guide, the best guideline is you drink to thirst. And it's called add, I'm not sure how, it's a Latin word, libidum or libidum. A-D, and then the word is L-I-B-U-T-U-M, I think, or L-U-B-I-T-U-M. And that means you drink to thirst. So that, despite all this BS, despite all the Gatorade science, despite all of the sports nutritional stuff, when you're thirsty, you drink. If you... Don't eat no matter how much water you're getting in, Dave. You're never going to be hydrated because water, uh, food is about 80% water. So if you undereat, you're going to be dehydrated. If you're the kid or the parent who lets their kid wake up, not eat, they had garbage for food, uh, garbage for food the night before, they wake up in the morning, you give them their little bottle of Gatorade or not even water, you give them Gatorade and send them off to practice. And then you wonder why maybe they don't have a good practice, they have a headache, what, what not, whatever follows from that, that's why. That's where dehydration, you get all those problems that come from not eating and not drinking water regularly. It's not, I'm going to drink, if, and, and we talked about this, cramps are not from dehydration. Cramps are from neuromuscular fatigue. Yeah, and and you mentioned uh, Gatorade as a as an example. Sugar will have that effect on you, right? Well, it'll it'll dehydrate you. Uh, or no? I mean, I I, I haven't seen that. I I, I think certain foods, because if you're eating carbohydrates, carbohydrates hold on to a certain percentage of water per gram. So I don't think it, it's just, but it's not giving you any useful energy. People think that you fuel with carbohydrates, that's because you've basically taught your body that's what they need. That's what it needs. They've had people who do what you do, Dave, and eat a high-fat diet 
and they're able to use that kind of a diet to fuel themselves through these ultra marathons. So I had, I had a big dinner the night before and I really didn't change much. Um, but I did have people pushing liquids on me the whole race. I mean, they have, they have little, uh, stations set up like every seven, eight miles where you can load up and people act like they're at Thanksgiving dinner. They're down there chowing stuff and, you know, I think I, I grab like uh, they have a little cup of pretzels. I don't want to stop. I'll grab a little cup of that and maybe uh, hold those on and, and chew on them or whatnot. But that's more just to kind of keep me awake sometimes. Right. And, uh, you know, keep me focused on something other than my my hips or my knees or my ankles. But, yeah, well, we're kind of talking athletics. I didn't mean to get down the running road because I'm like, I, you know, I, mean, I think. But all those things, it doesn't matter what your um, your endeavor is. It is all the same stuff that we were taught for years that, well, if you're going to run, you've got to carbo load. But all that is, if I use this example, if you have a, a real raging bonfire, like a big fire pit outside, and you have 20 logs on there and it's cranking, what happens? That fire constantly needs those logs put on it to keep that level going or else the fire dies. But you could have a pretty nice bonfire with less wood and have to feed it less often and burn that, have that steady burn. That's what we're doing. You're teaching your body when you eat a lot of carbohydrates to burn it, empty your fuel stores, and then you need to throw more fuel in. Whereas when you eat without the carbs being the prevalent predominant method or mode of, um, of, of energy intake, your body learns how to use its fat stores and it's a very efficient process. You don't need to eat one way for one kind of activity and eat another for another. That's again, one of the biggest myths going and, um, but people don't want to hear it. No, I think we got to keep banging the drum on that. Cause it's, it's, we have to combat the, the, we have to combat them on the same level that they're feeding us the information. So if it's constant repetition and it's constant, you know, saying, no, that's not true. And we just feed it back to them in the same simple terms. I think that's, that's part of our role because they, they only understand battle on their grounds and, and some of the nonsense that's going out there. That's why I'm glad you do what you do on our podcast because people need to hear it on a regular basis. Um, so, and I'm always willing to try because I have to tell you, Dave, for 20 years in this business, almost you're, you're part of the you're part of the establishment and you go along with the flow because you're trying to catch up and then the more you do and the more opportunities you have to try and do the right thing you kind of see you know what it's not working like it's supposed to and yeah. we could talk about that and get into specifics because I'd like to do that there's so many things here that um that are, are worth talking about. But so what's happened over the last 15 years or so is I've kind of gotten to the point where I realize things don't work the way they're supposed to, the way we've been told to, and have been on this never ending quest to try to figure out what's the best thing to do. And, you know, it doesn't always work out that that's best for your business because a lot of times people who come to me want to be told what they're doing is right or tell me what they want to do. And I'm supposed to follow the plan and I'm, I don't do that. But in the last, you know, again, the, the biggest changes for me were in how I trained people. And now I'm getting to the point 
of how you deal with things like recovery, how you deal with things like fueling your body. We've talked about how you can sleep better. And obviously, pharmaceuticals aren't the way to go. And there's some really great and effective over-the-counter supplements you can use to help you sleep. And thanks to some of the wonders of this new kind of mediums we have with podcasts and and the good parts of social media. Um, I stumbled upon a couple of things. Now we were talking about water and through uh, this Gary Brecka, who I really think is on the right path with doing things in a, in a conventional way that people are going to say are non-conventional. And I'll give you an example. His, his remedy for a lot of things that ill, that cause people to, you know, have problems is get your feet on the earth, bare feet on the earth, get sunlight and learn how to breathe properly. And through his message, I've come across this concept of hydrogenated water. And that's simply taking clean water that you would, you know, your filtered water, whether it's from your machine or from you have a a filtration, filtration system and you put it in this water bottle, and what and what it does is it hydrogenates the water. And according to the research, that hydrogenation of the water has a wide range of benefits from the antioxidant properties that are sometimes ascribed to fruits and vegetables and other substances to helping your body and helping your gut become more healthy. And again, it's we could do a whole podcast on that process. But I recommend everybody look into that. I've ordered a bottle. I'm waiting for it to come. I, I want to see uh, what it's all about. It's hydro. It's a. You could buy them. They're all over the place. And just like everything, you could spend sixty bucks on it. You could spend two hundred bucks. You have to find what's best for you. Do your own research. But that's one of the two things I'm going to talk about today. That's one of them. Is the hydrogenated water. I like that. And what prompted you to do that? To take a look well, at that. I, I watched his. I watched, listened to his podcast with Joe Rogan, and you know he outlined some very simple, non, in non non invasive and free, basically low cost remedies. And the concept of earthing is popular out there. There is research to support it, just like there's people who shoot it down. I would have been one of those people 15 years ago, 10 years ago, would have shot it down. Now, with what we're learning about our establishment, whatever the field is, I'm I'm more willing and I'm trying these things. So this is one thing I definitely want to try. And uh, I think, again, everyone should do their own research and try. I was like you probably a decade ago. was really kind of like, eh, no way, no way. And then I started doing it regularly. And, and same thing, like you mentioned all the time where people like I, I walk around barefoot when all possible, even in, you know, even up in the house, too, just because of what you talk about with your feet. You know, shoes are shoes can inhibit the strength of your feet and the flexibility of your toes. But the earthing thing, I was the same way. I'm like, ah, it sounds too hokey, sounds too hippie like. Um, but as I did more and more of it, again, kind of like the salt water, whether it was real or not. I felt better, so I did it. I kept doing it. And we have problems with that. 
um, because if you live in the Northeast and it's this time of year where it's already 35 degrees, um, you can't. So there's this thing called the grounding mat. And what it does is it provides you with a similar environment that putting your feet on the ground outside can do for you. So I, Mark Wiley's wife has one of those. Yeah, Mark. I, I bought one. Uh, I you have there's several ways you could do it. You could again, you want it on your feet, so you could buy one that's like the size of a doormat, and you could put it under your desk and take your shoes and socks off. And when you're sitting there watching TV or whatever, you could get the effects. I bought one and put it down at the foot of my bed, so when I sleep, my feet are on it. It's only been a week, but I will say. And again, I, I get that this is anecdotal, but I've done and done and tried enough things and kind of have been um, a, enough of a cynic and enough of a, a kind of non-believer in some of these things to really know the difference. And to be honest with you, uh, Dave, I'm dealing with, you know, some age related conditions. And I, I texted you, I'm going to have to at some point pretty soon get my hip replaced and you know, the doctor, the, the I went through kind of like a little bit of an exam, and he was surprised that my physical movement didn't match up to what the x-ray looked like. When you look at the x-ray, he's like, when I saw this x-ray, man, I'm like, we got to get you in as soon as we can. And then after kind of the exam, and I showed him what I could do and being a little more in tune with the issue than the typical person who has to get a hip replacement, I was able to show him some of the things I could do. And he was kind of surprised. So, you know, there's all this other stuff going on. I'm trying to maintain as, as good a health as possible. But so I got this mat and I've been using it for sleep and I have woken up. I, well, I've slept better and I've slept better in a different way than from what the, I think these supplements helped me. And I've also felt better in the hip and in the associated kind of issues I have with the fact that the hip is failing. So again, it's anecdotal. It's a short period of time. So again, everyone take, can take it with a grain of salt. You can challenge me. But you know what, Dave? I'd rather try the grounding mat than take 12 Advil a day, which I know some people do to, comp, to, to contend with the, with the discomfort from the injury or from the issue. So you feel like it's, it's helped you in the short term? I, 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 I would say it's helped me no doubt in my sleep. And again, my there's a lot of factors that can affect something like your hip, even if it's not at the point where I'm at, where we are in this, we went from being in the sixties to the fifties. And then it was the twenties overnight, high of 30, high of 30, mid thirties today and tomorrow. So most people's bodies are going to respond unfavorably to that. Yeah. That being said, it's helping me. And, and again, short term, I want to see how it continues to help, but I, I find that, in the short term, it's helped. And again, I'm very in tune with my sleep because for so long I had issues sleeping. And and in the last couple of years with the advent of the different supplement cocktails I've tried, that uh, this is a kind of diff totally different sleep. I'll have to give it a try because I do, I, I have the same thing. I woke up for years at, I mean, almost to a T, 3.30 in the morning. And I'd get up and I'd just start my day. And I'd sleep less and I went to sleep doctors and, you know, they said, no, nah, you're fine. You're healthy. Um, just get a hobby and I kind of joke. So I do that now. I leave. But as I, as I look on that, it's as a possible 
and maybe it's your influence on me. It could have an adverse effect later on down the road, even though I'm healthy now. Um, so I've started taking magnesium uh, recently before I go to bed and it's helped. Uh, it really has. And again, whether it's anecdotal or not, I've been sleeping through the night, uh, I would say probably the last three weeks. And I find that my energy throughout the day is better. Now, sleeping through the night to, for me is getting up at, you know, 536. But I find I find I'm more clear headed, um, <laughs> less cranky, I guess my kids would say. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that's helped me. I'll have to take a look at that grounding mat. Though. Maybe we can get the. So and here's the, a way to look at it. I bought one for about 65 bucks. I wanted to kind of have a little bigger one. I wasn't quite sure how I'd use it. You can buy one. As I mentioned, that's smaller that you could look again like a um, like a welcome mat size. That was, I believe, 44, 45 bucks. I got it as a gift for someone for Christmas who is always looking for ways to recover. And the Epsom salt bath is great, but, you know, you don't always have time to take a, a 40 minute bath. I don't know about you, but I don't have that time. <laughs> and I don't always love that con the way that feels, even though it feels great after. So when you think Dave of how much a bottle of Advil costs that people are going to use to cut into their in inflammation and some of their discomfort and pain that spend the money. And you know what? Try it, buy it from Amazon, try it for a month. You could send stuff back and get your money back. I think it's a 30 day with with Amazon. So try it again. You're, you're not going to be putting the NSAIDs in your body, whatever your poison is, whether it's Advil, Tylenol, whatever. Try it. You, you got nothing to lose. And you, you like I said, you could get your money back even if you don't. Even if you say, you know what, for 45 bucks, for 65 bucks, it's worth whatever peace of mind, incremental placebo, whatever it could be. To try it. And again, I think we're at a point where you have to start looking at these alternatives because the line of bullshit we've been fed for years about what we're supposed to be doing and what's the good thing to do to take care of ourselves is so far from the truth that you have to consider the alternative. So there's we talked about this. And, and um, so I'm glad we got to that. Those two things, the, the hydrogenated water. And we're going to go more into that because hopefully by the next cast, I will have my bottle. I don't know if I'm going to see any difference, but there's a whole slew of things that this hydrogenated water can do to improve the state of your gut, which is hugely important, especially for people who don't eat great. Also, if you are taking supplements, this hydrogenated water can help you absorb your nutrients better. I would look up Braca, uh, Gary Braca on, in, online about hydrogenated, hydrogenated water. He's got a clip that I've seen on on TikTok that's pulled from the Rogan interview where he kind of goes through the process, but try it out. But we, Dave, you brought up the cocktail uh, or the fact that you're taking magnesium. So I have a couple of different cocktails I've, just, uh, I've used for the sleep. We talked about this one. It was L-theanine, apennine or apennine and magnesium L-3 and 8. Those were the three that I originally, that was my like first iteration of an improved version of what I was taking instead of just taking magnesium and hoping that would help. And I, I took that and, and it really did help for a while. Um, it was the first, I would say, cocktail 
that got me to the point where I was sleeping through. And if I woke up in the middle of the night, was usually able to go back. Now, what I will tell you about that is the apennine and the, uh, the, the theanine could be a little pricey. So I was running out of those two, and I just happened to come across another sleep supplement guy, and he recommended glycine and inositol. So I did some research, and it looked like those are two reasonable subst- uh, substances, supplements to, t- to try, and they're much less expensive. So I kept the L3 and 8 because that's the one magnesium that they say if you're going to take a magnesium for sleep, that's the best one. And then to pair it with this glycine and then this inositol. So those are all readily, all three I get through Amazon. They're all readily available. There's no side effect. I don't have any stomach distress or anything from that. And it's a less expensive version of that other cocktail that I kind of used. And I find it to be just as effective. I like that. No, that's a lot of good info for our audience here today. How do you want to leave them today? What's um, and I'll take well, a look I, at I would recommend everybody of those three things we just kind of ended with the grounding mat, the hydro, the hydrogenated water and some kind of natural supplement sleep aid mix. I would advise everybody to look into one of those three things. And I don't believe in New Year's resolutions because I think if you want to do it today, do it today. Don't wait till January for some reason. Do it. Go go take advantage of the sales online. Buy one of those mats. Get one of the bottles of uh, uh, hydrogenated, uh, hydrogenated water. Check it out. Do some research. You can find data. You're going to find a pro and a con. What I like about some of the, the positive research is if it makes sense from a, a biological standpoint, which is how this Gary Bracca, Bracca works. He's a human biologist. He's not a doctor, which in my mind, I trust him even more. Um, do that for yourself. Again, low cost, less invasive or non-invasive, and it's going to improve your overall well-being. I like, and I'll, I'll quote my father on this. He used to say, "Talking about stuff and and doing doing stuff battles for the same resources." So just shut. He'd use an expletive in there. Just shut the you know what up and yeah. do do it. And um, you know, as you said, it's either today or someday. Might as well make it today with getting started on whatever they're going to get better at. So. No, great information. I would love to go through either next podcast or the one after that. Some of those old school cannons that you and I, we, we go back and forth with because we're close to the same generation. And uh, what, what it was like, what, we, what you were hearing at the beginning of your, your journey as a, as a performance coach and then what you found that is important now. It may be interesting for our audience to kind of line some of those up, make, make it as, you know, this is not a linear process, but try to make it as linear for them as possible. I think that'd be great information, not just for them, but for me. Yeah, I love to talk about that. It's great. And it, it it makes me realize the changes, you know, that I've gone through and and the reasons for it. Again, I, I'm in a little bubble here, Dave. I work pretty much on my own. I have a couple of colleagues who are like-minded. I have a couple of high-end clients that are able to take advantage of what I do, and, and it's very successful for them. And that's my, my little feedback loop. And um we get a lot of the negative from the outside. And I don't want to get off on a tangent. I want to end pretty much here. But look at what's happening at the high level of professional sports where we have epidemics of Tommy John surgery, Major League Baseball, and we have epidemics of uh, Achilles ruptures in NFL. 
and no one's making anything better. As a matter of fact, things are getting worse. They averaged 18 Achilles ruptures per year for the last five years in the NFL. There's already been 21 this year. So, you know, there's something wrong. There, uh, there's It's multifactorial. It's diet. It is training. And it's the surface. And I, I forget where I heard this, but someone said, you only need like three or four factors to combine to three or four minor factors to combine to create a catastrophe. And kind of that's where we are in professional sports with this nonsense. We could get into that again at the next show, but uh, that's, I think, a good spot to leave off for today. I love it. I think our 60,000 and climbing is, is appreciative of the information you give. It's uh it's, it's a different perspective, similar theme, but different perspective from our other podcasters. So it's, it's tuned into very, uh, very astutely by our audience. Blackout Coffee, thanks for your friendship. Capital David, D-A-V-I-D, with 20 after. It'll get you 20% off at checkout, 15% in perpetuity. Be awake, not woke. And, uh, again, to our, our friend Ted Kubiak, who I know listens to every show, uh, take a look at his book, Old School. Take a look at How to Field a Ground Ball. Great stocking stuffers for the kids at the holidays here. You can check out his website. I'll put it in the show notes, put it on social for people to take advantage of it. With that, uh, the Hot Corner with Coach Sal, episode 361. Sal, great job today. Appreciate you. Thanks, Dave. Love doing it.